Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Strikes one from distance, and what a goal that is! Extraordinary strike from Goodell. Sampaoli jumping up and down inside his technical area. And the Serbian defender is mobbed by his teammates. Welcome back to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. My name is Ruri Barlow. I'm joined by Roman de Arker. You've just heard Nemanja Goodell's rasping strike, his second of the season. And uh, what a fashion to do it in firstly roman how are you doing very good uh also quite impressed by that goal you mentioned by gulel i mean uh, second one and both have been so far really really amazing and this one was so important for them especially being a derby between both uh, clubs and illusion clubs in this case incredibly important of course it was the equalizer in the seville derby Hesus navas had scored an own goal in the first half but this game was defined by the red cards there was three of them the first for Sevilla and Gonzalo Montiel, and then Nabil Fekir was sent off. And then just into the second half, Borja Iglesias received his marching orders as well. I'll start off with the red cards. How many of them were red cards for you? For me, the clearest one was definitely the one by Borja Iglesias, the third one. I think uh, there's no doubt there. He gets Juan Jordan uh, around the Achilles heel, and I think there's no complaining because even Borja Iglesias himself you could tell by his reaction by his face he knew that something was coming and it it really did come in the end because I mean it was it was it was very bad uh then the Fekir one for me it's a bit harsh I mean it's with the hand he's just trying to protect his area his space um if it was with the elbow I would say it's definitely a red card but being with the hand I think it's a bit too harsh in my opinion although I can understand that the referee might consider it uh a red and then the one between Montiel and, and Papu Gomez uh, if there's contact it's definitely a red but I'm just not so sure if there's enough it just happens really quick and I didn't really get a good angle there but if there is contact I definitely think a red card was fair it's obviously a massive point for Sevilla I mean it keeps them outside of the relegation zone and I think it just morale wise another defeat to Betis here would have really sort of put them in the mire Betis, from their point of view, I feel like, I mean, the commentators were saying that this is quite a good point for Betis because they've been playing with nine men. And yes, mm. on the one hand, it is. But if I was a Betis fan, I'd, I reckon I'd feel a little bit frustrated because it, the game was in their hands, kind of, especially when they went 1-0 up. 
Well, I think it was in their hands also conditioned by, by the first uh, red card because uh, Sevilla started pretty well, to be honest. I mean, they were looking sharper than they have been basically in, in any game or almost any game this season because they've really been strong in going forward. But against Betis, I was quite impressed. They started pretty well. They're quite strong uh, being an away game at uh, the Benito Yamarin. But then, of course, uh, with the sending off, it felt like Betis had complete control. It felt like it was going to be uh, their game. But then... That changed quite quickly, and after that, Sevilla again, uh, obviously because they were playing with with more uh, guys on the field, ha had the better chances and really felt like they could maybe uh, snatch a winner after the draw. Although Betis did have their chances, to be fair, Betis are a very strong side. Borja Iglesias, Alex Moreno, they had some very clear chances for them, but in the end, I think a, a draw is quite fair, taking into account that both sides uh, did uh, quite a lot of efforts to try and get the three points. My shout outs go to Guido Rodriguez and Edgar Gonzalez, who. I'm, I'm fans, right, yeah. yeah, I'm fans of them anyway. But they, I thought they were heroic today for Betis. I thought they were really, really good. And obviously, Nemanja Gudeli's strike was <laughs> was sensational for Sevilla. He seems to be the best striker of a ball that they have. To be perfectly <laughs> honest, uh, just on Jorge Sampaoli. Obviously, it's been sort of a up and down. I mean, you could say there's been improvement from when Lopetegui left. How do you kind of see him and and what he's done so far since he came back? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a very tough job to take, seeing how uh, Lopetegui had really succeeded with Sevilla in the past and, and they had a really good squad, but he was just incapable of, of making the team uh, click again. And so, like, coming into these uh, tough circumstances where the fans were also very unhappy, there was problems uh, towards the board, even Monchi was being doubted by some. Uh, so I feel like Sampaoli took a very difficult task. And at the beginning, you could kind of... Uh, see that not much was happening, but little by little by little, I think it's uh, starting to to change a bit, and and definitely this this could be uh, maybe not a game changer for them, but it definitely could be a starting point, you know, to to build upon and and to get Sevilla improving and away from the relegation zone because they definitely don't belong there. Yes, yeah, so it's going to be a bit weird looking at the tables. Sevilla so close to the relegation zone. <laughs> Moving on to, well, if the Benito Villa Marine was packed out, raucous, loud, noisy, hot, the Civitas Metropolitano was not, because the Frente Atletico, who are the fans behind the goal, they're a fairly controversial group as it is, but they decided to protest the lack of effort from Atleti in the first half. They didn't turn up, and then in the second half, they kind of walked in at halftime. They were whistled by some of the other fans who weren't quite so keen on their idea of protesting. And then after that, they didn't sing sort of in the same fashion that they normally would and create the noise that they did against Espanyol. It sort of speaks to the discontent, the sort of low ebb that we've discussed that Simeone is at. A 1-1 draw against Espanyol at home. They had 60 minutes or so against 10 men. That didn't help matters at all. Just sum up your kind of thoughts on, on Atleti and, and what's going on there. Well, I mean, they're definitely going through a very tough situation and uh, it's true that a lot of people are questioning Simeone when he's been uh, the best manager they've had probably in, in their history or, or up there, you know. I mean, he's achieved their, their, some of the best feats uh, so far and, I mean, I think many understand that and value him and I think it's okay to have a bad season uh, with such a manager that's given you so much and he's always there, you know. And I've been seeing a lot of people say that there's two solutions here. Either you get rid of the coach or either you get rid of half the squad. And I think the second option is, is practically impossible. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, 
is it really worth getting rid of Simeone? Who's going to come in instead of him? Are they going to do better than him? I mean, it's really tough. Uh, but for me, from the outside, I really respect what Simeone has done. And as I said, I think fans have to try and be a bit more patient, which is really hard and, and almost impossible nowadays. We're seeing it with Kike Setien. We can talk about that later. Uh, but uh, I kind of feel like uh, Simeone has credit to have a very bad season. And obviously, a very bad season, not going down to Segunda or anything like that, but, you know, <laughs> and maybe struggling to qualify for Europe or, I mean, in the end, they're third, they're not doing that that bad, we could say. Uh, but I think he has credit for that, in my personal opinion. So let me put this to you. I mean, devil's advocate here, Simeone, <laughs> Atleti, because, yeah, I'm looking at it, and particularly, obviously, in the case of Joao Felix, who comes on, he scores, he's probably their most dangerous player. How long can he last not playing Joao Felix if he continues to be kind of their best player whenever he does come on? Yeah, I mean, uh, the Joao Felix situation for me doesn't make too much sense. And I think uh, Joao is really proving Cholo wrong in this sense because in the last few games he's been the one uh, not not saving the team, but you know at least keeping them there and showing that he can get those important goals for them and he can be important for the team. Uh, but as you said, overall the team... Uh, it's quite decent. There's a strong squad there, and they are they are, are sorry they are underperforming uh, with the Cholo Simeone so far. And I mean, as I, as I said before, it's such a complicated situation. I wouldn't want to be in the directive skin of Atletico Madrid to have to choose whether to continue with Simeone, to to fire him, to change other stuff in the winter transfers market in terms of players. It's so so delicate. I just honestly can't give you the the answer, you know, here because um, if the players really think that uh, the problem is Simeone and, and somehow they can transmit that to the directives, then maybe they should let him move on. But if the team still believes in Simeone, I mean, just fight it out through the, through, through the season, sorry. Uh, and if at the end of the season they see that it doesn't make sense for him to continue, maybe it change. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't make a change now halfway through the season. I'd, I'd let him finish at least this one. And just one word answer. Well, Felix, next, start next season, is he at Atletico Madrid? I don't think so. Unless something changes in this second half of the season, he's like uh, outstanding. I just don't see it because for many, many years it felt like this was going to be a season, this was going to be a season, this was going to be a season. And it <laughs> never really happens. There's spurs, there's moments of, of, of fantastic football, but then it just kind of disappears. So honestly, it just doesn't make any sense for him to continue there. Moving on to... A, a bizarre case. I think this is a first. I've never seen anyone ask to be sacked in their first ever home league game. But that was the case for Kike Setien and Villarreal, who lost 2-0 at home to Mallorca. This is it's, it's kind of unprecedented. So he's got one draw and three losses from his opening four games. And granted, two of those didn't really matter in Europe. One against Hapoel Beersheba as a defeat away to Athletic, which can happen. But then this Mallorca defeat, I think, compounds the feeling that things are going wrong. How long do we think Kike Setien has? I mean, he's got this game against Espanyol in midweek. If he loses that, is there any chance he loses his job? Well, uh, honestly, I think the, the, um, the sense behind signing Setien now is that there was this kind of month or so, you know, where there wouldn't be any football and he would probably have time to, to transmit his idea. So ideally, they should have reached some sort of agreement with Aston Villa where they could keep Unai until, you know, uh, the World Cup and then bring Kikis at the end. But of course, those things are complicated because each club fights for their own interests. And for me, it doesn't make absolutely any sense to be asking for your manager to, to leave uh, at this point. I think Kikis Etienne has created 
uh, a lot of enemies in, in the world of football, not just fans, but also journalists. You know, there's a lot of people that like to criticize and at the minimum opportunity they have, you know, they, they get they go and get at him. And uh, that's a bit sad to see, but I guess Kike's way of being doesn't really help sometimes. And also it's true that I kind of feel like his possession football is maybe slightly outdated. You know, he needs to kind of add uh, something to it to make it a bit more creative, more offensive to generate. Because I saw the game and it was pretty sterile, their, their, their possession, to be honest. I mean, they were passing, passing, passing. And Villarreal really struggled to get past. Uh, Mallorca's defense also we have to mention that that you know Mallorca are basically two lines of five at the back waiting for their counterattacks and they don't really uh, offer much space so it is very complicated uh, so overall what I want to say with this is that I honestly think that Kike Setien deserves more time I mean you can't just jump at your manager he is your manager you have to support your manager if he already feels like the crowd is against him that's not going to help the team at all that's just the worst thing you can do towards a player towards a manager towards somebody uh, that's fighting or playing for your club so I really hope that they wait they let him have more time because it just you just can't change something from one day to another you know he's bringing a different style of football to the team and uh, they, they need time the players need time to, to adapt maybe they could actually whistle their own players who haven't really been doing too well either <laughs> uh, yeah I mean it could also be uh, something they could do because to be fair Villarreal have kind of underperformed this season uh, to all what we thought they could achieve with the players they had and unfortunately that hasn't happened with, with Unai or with uh, Kike Setien at the moment but as like I said please be patient Villarreal fans Interesting stuff and just a quick word from Mallorca they're obviously going pretty good guns they're up to I think it's 11 for 12 one thing I want to say, Vedat Muriki, 7 out of 12 of Mallorca's goals have come from him. That's 58.3%. He cost them 7.7 .7 million euros. Is he the best value signing of La Liga this summer? Well, I mean, definitely he's up there. Uh, he, he was already important for them last season when he came in uh, to, to, uh, to avoid relegation. And this season, you know, he's helped them take a step up. And, and Mallorca have been impressing, I think, uh, most of us. I was honestly convinced they were going to be fighting to avoid relegation at the moment it's been really good for them and thanks to Muriki in, in a big part so I mean he could definitely be one of the best signings so far this season in terms of yeah price quality Javier Giri said uh, f before the match <laughs> for given how ugly he is he's pretty yeah. good at football he plays pretty well um, in typical Aguirreism and typical moving on to the final game from Sunday yeah. that we had which was Valencia against Real Sociedad El Ustondo got sent off after 17 minutes that came after Hugo Guillamon red uh, own goal sorry which put Real Sociedad in the lead Samuel Lino got the equaliser it was a pretty nice finish and then the game was sort of Valencia against Real Sociedad in a similar manner to we had Sevilla and Betis. One side had the ball, one side was going for it. Obviously slightly less unbalanced. It's one point out of nine for La Real in La Liga and it's three points out of 15 for Valencia in La Liga. These are two sides that just aren't quite clicking even though, and we know La Real were going very good guns before that and they have been good in the Europa League. Yeah, I mean, uh, as you said, Real Sociedad were doing really well I mean they were having a great streak of, of results of playing good football doing it well in, in Europa League and then suddenly I mean I, gu I guess it's normal because it's a, t it's a team that uh, doesn't have a very deep bench mainly because of all the injuries they've been having to be fair I mean we had Chisilva Mohamed Alicho Oyarzabal uh, obviously their newest striker Sadiq etc etc so, I mean that has to affect you at some point and I think 
this is the moment now. So uh, good for them that they're going to have the international the, the World Cup break uh, soon because I think that's going to really help Real Sociedad and they're going to recover some important players possibly like uh, Oyarzabal after that. So, I mean, yeah, I think that's really affected their performance. And, of course, in this particular game, uh, the sending off really conditioned everything for Real Sociedad because, I mean, they were up ahead 1-0 and suddenly in the 17th minute you lose your defender. It's really complicated. And uh, Valencia were pushing, were pushing. They got their goal. They could have got a second. Uh, and Real Sociedad just didn't have much more to do, you know, there than to defend and hope for some uh, counterattack. But, uh, unfortunately for them, it didn't happen. But I think a good uh, a draw, sorry, is a decent result uh, for Real Sociedad, whereas Valencia are actually really struggling uh, even more in terms of, of gra grabbing points lately. Valencia face Betis in midweek as well, which yeah. will be a big game. Obviously, Betis missing Fekir and Borja Iglesias. But we'll round off our part one section there. We'll be back in just a moment. And of course, we've got one of the main headlines of the week to discuss in Gerard Piquet's departure. Roman de Arquer was there to witness it in person, so make sure you don't go anywhere. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.
welcome back to the La Liga Lowdown podcast. It's part two. I'm joined by Roman de Arker, who was at Camp Nou for Gerard Piquet's tearful send-off from Camp Nou, his final game there. He said it, as you've just heard, I was born here and I will die here. It was emotional stuff. Roman, just give me your impressions. What was it like being there for what is a historic moment in Barcelona's history? Well, I, I think it was uh, definitely um, up to the level you'd expect from the fans, you know, to, to uh, pay tribute or say goodbye to, to what's a legend of, of this team, of this club. Uh, especially after seeing how maybe he'd been treated in previous games where we'd even hear some people whistling uh, against him. I think that wasn't ideal, even though we understand that uh, he hasn't been playing maybe at his best level. But in terms of, of this game against Almeria, his performance was really good and, and the fans were there behind him, uh, singing, uh, clapping and cheering every time he even touched or passed the ball, you know, so you could see there was a completely different am- atmosphere to other games. And it was def- definitely very emotional, especially towards the end where, you know, he, he during his speech there was a moment where he couldn't even talk because he was crying, you know, he was just so emotional and he really feels this, this club. I mean, he always said that once he retired, it would be at Barca. He was not even going to consider going to Miami, going to LA, going to Qatar or anything like that or any other club in another league or competition. So, I mean, uh, it was nice to have him be able, you know, to play his final game or one of his final games, possibly because he might be there. He'll probably be there against Osasuna. Uh, but at home, you know, at the Camp Nou, full stadium, over 92,000 people. It was absolutely packed. Uh, so I think that was really worthy. And hopefully one day Messi can get a similar goodbye. <laughs> Good point, good point. And just on that kind of atmosphere, obviously Piquet was pretty sad because it's his last game and everything. I think I sort of have gotten a sense that this obviously was his own decision. He's going out on his own terms to a certain extent, but he was certainly pushed to a certain extent as well. I think uh, his his grandfather came out and said uh, Piquet will never be hurt or or mad at the club, but certain people perhaps kind of thing. the people around you, was there kind of a sadness or was this kind of a celebration? Was this a celebration of Piquet's career and everything he's given to Barcelona? Well, I think that there's a bit of everything. Uh, yeah, a lot of people are, are questioning why Piquet decided to leave at the moment. And as you said, uh, there is likely uh, been some pushing and shoving from uh, part of the club, possibly directives. Also, they were saying that Xavi might have had a bit to do with this, especially because at the beginning of the season he already told Piquet, you know, that uh, his opportunities would be very slim, that he wouldn't be playing too much, that uh, maybe his moment was kind of over, maybe he could, he was trying to get him to, to understand that, uh, but you know, he decided to try and prove everyone wrong, unfortunately it didn't go too well in that sense, and I guess it reached a point where of course hearing the fans that have always cheered you boo you that definitely must have hurt in a way and he did say uh, back in the days after that uh, horrible Bayern defeat that he would step aside you know when it was time and when he felt that he wasn't uh, playing at the level so I guess I mean all of that kind of um, affected him and he, he decided to, to move you know and, and to to end his trajectory here at the club and of course I think it, it's it's sad but at the same time it's, it's happy you know because um, uh, as I said, it was very emotional to have all the fans packed stadium. Uh, that always helps, and and you could tell he was he was happy at least in his last game at the Camp Nou, which is the most important thing. Yeah, I think this is maybe the first time that Gerard Piquet has been human. I mean, okay, yeah, Barcelona have 
suffered defeats and uh, they, they've yeah, come to terms with some pretty brutal losses in recent years. But this is the first time that PK has not been the best at whatever he's been doing and has not been kind of the, the golden star head boy kind of figure that we're so used to. So, um, yeah, a humbling experience, I'm sure, for him as well. Like you say, kind of getting booed and then receiving that kind of applause and, and retiring, essentially, obviously. Just in terms of the game, there was obviously a game that happened. It did kind of feel like a procession to me and, and like a passage for PK. 2-0, it was one. Robert Lewandowski missed a penalty. Was there any actual takeaways from this? Uh, Almeria were the other team involved. I don't know if I even mentioned that. So that's how much of a kind of procession it was. But but yeah, was there any takeaways you had from the game itself? Well, yeah, my main takeaway is that I do see the team playing very well in La Liga recently. I mean, it's true that we have disappointed a lot in the Champions League, of course, because we, we were expected to qualify to the next round. But in La Liga, I mean, the last few games against Villarreal, against uh, Athletic Club, uh, this one against Almeria, for me, have been possibly three of the best games this season Barca have played. You can tell that uh, Xavi is kind of managing to redirect the team. And I think one of the reasons there is also the involvement of Ferran Torres, who's starting to recover his level. He started against Villarreal, he started against Almeria, and for me, he was key in generating opportunities. Yes, he does have a problem scoring goals, we all know that. Uh, but still, I mean, he, he generated the penalty, he gave uh, Dembele a clear pass to score. He had two very good chances, maybe a bit tight in terms of angle, but, uh, you know, he was there, he was generating, he was creating for us. So I was really happy and impressed to see Ferran Torres playing at this level for me, one of the best players. And also I wanted to uh, talk about Frankie de Jong, who seems to be better and better every game. I think he uh, is finally starting to integrate properly into this team. Of course, there's competition with Gabi, with Pedri, with Busquets, but uh, Frankie de Jong, every time I see him on the field, I, I see him more confident and, and more um, or doing things right, you know, whereas we always used to doubt him a bit, but now I think he's, he's really finally getting there. And the other player I had to mention was Jordi Alba. For me, he was really good. That left wing with Ferran Torre and Jordi Alba was definitely where most of the damage was coming from uh, against Almeria. And yeah, hopefully the team can continue with this level against Osasuna. And uh, let's see if the break, well, I was going to say give some time to rest, even though most players will probably be at the World Cup. But uh, well, some will get to some time to, to rest a bit, I guess. A tricky test, test up next for Barcelona, a trip to El Sadar before they finish up for the World Cup. Real Madrid, of course, they've not played this weekend yet. They're facing Rayo Vallecano on Monday night and they will need to win in order to take back top spot in La Liga. It was a happy night on Friday night in Catalonia too when Girona got their first win since the 9th of September. It lifts them out of the relegation zone 2-1 over Athletic Club. Iran Martín got, I think it was his first goal for the club. And David Lopez also scored. Gorka Guruceta with an insane volley. It was sort of slightly behind him and he puts it right in the top bag for Athletic. It was really a wonderful strike. But this was big for Michel Sanchez and Girona, who've been playing quite well, but still been shoddy at the back. But that's two weeks and uh, unbeaten in those two weeks against Real Madrid and Athletic Club. Yeah, and, and you can add to that the, the draw against Osasuna. So, I mean, they've kind of began to uh, get into... A, better form we could say and I think uh, this has really happened since the formation has changed because Mitchell was very uh, reliant on his uh, five uh, players at the back and now he's switched to four since I think of the Almeria game it was so since the last um, 
four games he's been playing now with four at the back and I think the team looks way more consistent with that I think that's really helped improve and we also know that uh, Girona are a team that can score goals I mean they score practically in every single game no matter what the result is so I just think they had to kind of work in terms of, the, of their defensive abilities and I think they're improving in that sense with the four at the back as I said uh, and that's why they're getting better results we saw again Real Madrid you know we, we saw it now against Athletic Club where they won they got a goal conceded towards the end of the game but uh, Girona for me, looked like the better side and deserved winners. So uh, hopefully Michel can build on this because a few pods back, I was actually saying that he might be in a tight position, even though they really respect uh, Michel a lot because he's one of the managers who's tried to actually speak Catalan in the press conferences, which has really um, helped him connect to the fans, to the journalists there. Uh, and so I, they, they love him very much. So it would be tough to have to let him go but uh, this is very good news for the team and, and for him of course who, who they well they all in general needed these these good results. Michel is from Madrid but uh, his outlook on sort of integrating into different areas of Spain and obviously he's managed in various different places is uh, refreshing to say the least compared exactly. to the way that some people look at it. Miguel Gutierrez and Arnau Martinez I don't know if we've shouted them out enough on this podcast but they're two very promising fullbacks playing very well for Girona as well. We spoke kind of at the start of October and we said that this would be a measuring stick for Athletic Club and Ernesto Valverde because they were up in the Champions League places before October. We knew that they had this difficult run coming. They're now kind of seventh. It's one win in six. Are they closer to the side that's in the Champions League places or closer to the side that's in the Conference League place in your view? Uh, I think it's it's yeah it's more a conference league in my personal opinion. Even though they were really good at the start of the season, it impressed us uh, very much because seeing that they had the same squad practically as last season, that already kind of overperformed in my opinion. Uh, I, I didn't expect that start from Athletic Club, but now I can kind of see that they're starting to feel you know that that, that lack of depth they have in the bench, uh, where I mean Ernesto doesn't really have much to choose from, and of course it's lots of games for them, and we all know their policies really. Uh, limit them in this sense so of course uh, in this case uh, the World Cup is really gonna help them you know kind of make a reset and start again if they can come back as strong as they were maybe they could fight for those Champions League positions but I think that at some point they would again kind of um, struggle and, get, and have that fatigue you know in the end so I mean it's gonna be tough but uh, you know Athletic Club are, are doing really well despite now going through a, a bit of a, a slump we could say and on Saturday, Hitafe played out a nil-nil draw with Cadiz. There was three more red cards to add in that one right at the end, which uh, just kind of ups La Liga's quota that they seem to have for every game this weekend. Valladolid beat Elche 2-1. Elche still winless this season. Jorge Almiron has not been able to inspire a reaction so far, and they still don't have a clean sheet this season as well, which is uh, going some to say the least. But and another impressive win for Pacheta and Valladolid, who looked very good. And then finally, just coming on to Celta and Osasuna, we said that Osasuna will be welcoming Barcelona in midweek. Chimi Avila with two lovely goals in this match, and they they were enough to get the win against Celta. Iago Aspas struck for them. Carlos Carvajal has come in at Celta. This wasn't a great start, but uh, but yeah, what did you kind of make of Caudet leaving and Carvalho coming in? Well, I was a bit disappointed maybe of them letting go Caudet. I think they could have held on a, a bit longer, you know, at least until 
Uh, I keep mentioning the World Cup, but I mean, it's, I, I think it's <laughs> kind of a, an important point here, you know, for, for a lot of teams to make plannings in terms of the, of the rest of the season. So I kind of thought they could have waited and see what, what was going to happen with him. Uh, because bringing on a manager at this point of the season is, is very complicated, you know, because they have barely any time to kind of uh, change stuff. We're seeing it with Setien, we're seeing it now with Carvajal, etc., uh, etc. Et so, I mean, uh, honestly... I want to see more of Carvajal. We know from past experiences that he's a very decent manager, but we'll have to see now with Celta, who who have a decent squad, but yeah, are struggling. They've had lots of ups and downs this season, more downs, we could probably say. Uh, luckily, they have Yago Aspas, who kind of uh, keeps them holding on, you know, uh, and, and, and getting important goals, but still. Osasuna are a very tough side, we have to say that too, they've been playing really, really well this season, they're really strong, and when you have Chimi Avila scoring those amazing goals, I mean, it, it is tough uh, <laughs> to, to to digest, so let's see what, what happens in the next game for Celta de Vigo, but I still uh, think it's a bit too soon to understand what he's going to provide to, to the team. That Chimi Avila, the first one, it kind of looks like a, a trick shot and yeah. goal or snooker where he just kind of like bullets it into the corner no backlift and the was, outside uh, of the boot also I think that was pretty impressive it, it's well worth finding it's well <laughs> worth watching there's actually there's a piece on our Substack at well LLL online you can go and find that I've written about Caudet and his departure there's also I'm going to come to you for your moment of the week because I think I know what it is and it <laughs> helps for us to uh, to plug another of our podcasts that we put out last week Roman, moment after of the week, what happened? I hope I didn't steal your one, but of course it has to be uh, Piquet's uh, retirement or almost retirement, we could say, after the game against Osasuna because obviously I was there, I saw it live and, you know, it was quite emotional and, you know, to see one of our legends say goodbye in that manner uh, was definitely a big moment for me. And Matt Clark and myself and Roman sat down to sort of discuss and reminisce a little bit about PK's retirement on Thursday. So go and check that out. It's in the podcast feed if you haven't already. Um, if I was to go for my moment of the week, I think it would probably have to be that Goodelli strike just because it's <laughs> ridiculous that uh, one of Sevilla's more questioned players keeps coming up with these absolute screamers. Um, but on that note, I will thank you very much for your time, Roman. Thank you for having me. And make sure you go and follow us on Twitter at La Liga Lowdown. Go and check out our Substack, as I say, because there's new stuff going up sort of almost every day at this point. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much for joining us, and we'll speak to you again next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.